0: Hello and welcome to the Conscious Refocus podcast with me, your host, Karina Spasova. This podcast's aim is to pose important questions that allow you and me to discover the deeper meaning of our life, the purpose of finding happiness, abundance, joy and freedom And as uh, one of the people that I really admire and follow, Alison Armstrong says, the quality of the questions you live in determines the quality of your life. Hence, every episode will be dedicated to an important question that uh, when conscious of, you will be able to discover deeper meaning in your life Deeper joy, deeper freedom, empowerment, and the ability to choose. Because at the end of the day, anything and everything that you put in as a piece of information is aimed in some way to give you, a, to put you in a state that actually is nicer or p- more peaceful and more joyful or happier than the one before even the stuff that we aimlessly do as scrolling through Facebook, for example. So be ready to learn, to expand, to grow. The format of the podcast, as I envision it at the moment, because this is going to be an ongoing project which will shift and morph and change. Uh, so hang on while we work things out. We'll be that I'll be sharing thoughts and ideas that I picked up from places on my meanderings from studying, reading, doing courses, being a coach Um, and it will be a lot of fun the whole thing is meant to just bring empowerment into your life and to allow you to be the best version of who you can be as um, Abraham uh, Maslow once said self-actualized people they must be what they can be and this is the aim of this podcast to empower you to be what you can be the format will be that we'll be posting a question and maybe looking at certain content that can embody the empowerment that we're after and uh, you can start posing those questions for yourself. The first one that we'll be discussing today will be the very, very important first step to self-actualization, which is, who am I? The answer to the question, who am I, can literally mean the difference between you living on purpose and being the victim of your life circumstance hence i believe this is the most fundamental topic that we should tackle in this very first episode and everything that we will be doing from then on will be to build up upon this topic i also would like to address the title of the podcast Uh, it is called conscious refocus It is the same name as my coaching business. Of course, there is a reason behind that. Where we focus our consciousness is where our energy flows and where we focus our intention, also our energy flows and our life reflects that. Sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously. And it is much nicer to be able to consciously choose how we want to be and who we want to be That reflects in the way we focus on the things that are important for us. And I believe that everybody has experienced that feeling where life just takes you by storm and you feel like you're at the butt end of all of the circumstance that is going on around you. And through conscious refocus, really, we can keep remembering where our power lies and that we actually can take our lives to to a state where uh, to the state that we deserve or actually not even our lives forget about our lives we can choose how to show up in our lives because sometimes circumstances are inevitable we cannot control everything and how you flow in the unpredictable nature of life can mean literally the difference between you being joyful and happy in misery versus feeling like nothing when everything seems to be going on for you and you are wondering why the hell am I still not happy even with all of this at my disposal now it only makes sense that I share a little bit about myself and what actually brought me to even be speaking to a microphone today starting this uh, podcast. So, who am I? I am freedom. I am compassion. I am joy. I am empowerment. I am self-expression. I am knowledge. Take a moment to catch up with all of the thoughts that are spanning and thinking I don't know what you're thinking but uh, I realize this is a bit of an unusual intro to someone and uh, yet the reality is that even though my name is Kalina Spasova, it will be very clear by the end of this episode why I introduce myself like this if you want to know a little bit more about the circumstance that led me to actually be sitting here. Um, I can tell you that I was born in Sofia, Bulgaria, and I lived here until the age of 19 when I went to the UK to study computer science. After graduating, I started working as a systems administrator and a DevOps engineer, and uh, I had... Um, a career, a very successful career actually in doing so working for some of the top companies in the world for 10 years and only last year I decided to take a break and focus on recovery, fun uh, and building of course my coaching business because that is my passion. I absolutely love learning speaking to people, communicating, empowering them and sharing the knowledge that I just so much love to absorb and I like absorbing practical knowledge the stuff that you can really take and use right away being how to fix beliefs that have plagued you all your life or how to have better performance on daily basis through diet and nutrition And this is what we're gonna be covering here because this is who I am. I like all sorts of topics and all sorts of topics will be presented here. A little bit more about my journey is that while I was having one of my uh, jobs or IT gigs, whatever you wanna call it, I always like calling them gigs. I started experiencing burnout because being a DevOps engineer actually does require it to be on call quite a lot of the time. So I was carrying my phone and laptop everywhere with me. And for about a year and a bit, I barely had any sleep. There was constantly some problem or another to be fixed. And my crazy lifestyle, of course, got the better of me. And I ended up having dizziness and no ability to focus whatsoever um, after any and every meal and that was a problem because I was dealing with system that needed to be up and running as much as possible we're talking at least 99.9 uptime Um, and so I had to do something about that and I radically changed my diet and it worked long and behold I actually have never felt better up to that point in my life and i got really curious about what actually worked and why it worked so well and i studied holistic nutrition with the college of naturopathic medicine where i was deeply convinced that this is what i wanted to do i wanted to spread the message that changing your diet actually can change and save your life um after studying for three years, I actually didn't even finish the course. I didn't do the last bit because it so happened that I hired a coach. Um, I did last year of my course. And the changes that we made and the progress that we made in the way of my thinking, the way I actually set up my life to work for me instead of where I was trying to just kind of Operate to keep my life as it was, made me realize that thinking and our belief system is what informs our choices, including our nutritional choices. And hence, here you will also be hearing a lot about wellness tips. What are the thoughts that actually can serve you to change your health habits so that you can be at your optimum? So I already mentioned I hired this coach, we worked for two and a half years and I loved it so much and I realized that what I've been doing with uh, my friends and colleagues and acquaintances everywhere has been to share knowledge, to listen to people and to try to empower them as much as I could. So it only made sense that i also investigated what it would be like if i became a coach and i did and few brave friends actually allowed me to coach them for the very first time in 2020 in the summer uh, when the rage of the pandemic was happening and everybody wanted to change and shift and do stuff so I started doing that and I had the privilege to be speaking with these people, to be there and to have their most intimate nagging uh, problems in life being brought to the table where we could practically discuss what was blocking them and how they couldn't block themselves. And I realized that I absolutely loved it but I didn't have the skills necessary to be at optimal service so I checked what is the best coach training in the world and uh, it's to this day I find it hilarious that I decided like any engineer would I checked Reddit and there was the answer they said IPEC was one of the best, if not the best school for coaching. So I picked up the phone. I had a conversation with uh, the people there and I absolutely loved their message and their idea. So I jumped on the course bandwagon and I had my accreditation as a coach a year later in 2021. Uh, during that whole time, I was still coaching people. Um, I was having fun discovering what coaching can actually do for people, what it means to be a coach. And uh, the rest is history. Or at least I would say the rest is to be written as history because it's still unfolding. Um, So now I moved back to Bulgaria from uh, the UK a year and a half ago. And I am still living in my home city, Sofia, where... It's summer at the moment. It's absolutely lovely. And it's been quite a joyful surprise to be back into this country. I had very little expectations and uh, all of them have been superseded. And uh, it's an extraordinary place to be in. So I hope for those of you who want the juicy details, that's enough for now. Later on, in later episodes, you'll hear more about me and you'll get to know what I am about. And just briefly here, I would say that I absolutely believe in building a personal life philosophy and everybody should have clarity on what their rules for life are. Of course, these can also change and shift with understanding and with your growth, but... Having one is essential for leading a quality life. And it is my greatest intention to facilitate for you this conscious awareness of what life rules you can pick for yourself that can empower you on the way of self-discovery. Because even if you're not conscious of that, Every breath and everything you do is about that because you are being, you are here. And now, without further ado, I want to present you with our first episode for this podcast with the question, who am I? Let's dive deep into the topic of today's episode. Who am I? And what we'll be doing is a contemplation of this question where I will also bring you the wisdom from spiritual teachers that have touched me and have given me a new perspective of why it is so important to know who you are and the truth behind it. And we will begin with Neville Goddard's excellent description of I am in uh, his book, The Power of Awareness. In there he writes, I am is a feeling of permanent awareness. The very center of consciousness is the feeling of I am. I may forget who I am, where I am, what I am, but I cannot forget that I am. The awareness of being remains regardless of the degree of forgetfulness of who, where and what I am. Take a moment to consider what Neville is saying here. That I am is a basic fact of life for any conscious creature. And why is that important? We will hear from a singer, where i'll be reading a chapter of one of my favorite books of all time the undead soul which is also called who am i and by the end of this it will become clear what this i amness actually means i give you michael a singer Who are you? Ramana Maharshi, a great teacher in the yogic tradition, used to say that to attain inner freedom, one must continuously and sincerely ask the question, who am I? He thought that this was more important than reading books, learning mantras or going to holy places. Just ask, who am I? Who sees when I see? Who hears when I hear? Who knows what I am aware? Who am I? Let's explore this question by playing a game. Make believe that you and I are having a conversation. Typically in Western cultures, when someone comes up to you and asks, excuse me, who are you? You don't admonish them for asking such a deep question. You tell them your name, for example, Sally Smith. But I'm going to challenge this response by taking out a piece of paper and writing the letters S-A-L-L-Y-S-M-I-T-H. And then showing it to you. Is that who you are? A collection of letters? So that who sees when you see? Obviously not. So you say. Okay, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm not Sally Smith. That's just the name people call me. It's a label. Really, I'm Frank Smith's wife. No way. That's not even politically correct nowadays. How could you be Frank Smith's wife? Are you saying you didn't exist before you met Frank? And you would cease to exist if he died or you got remarried? Frank Smith's wife can't be who you are. Again, that's just another label, the result of another situation or event you participated in. But then, who are you? This time you respond, okay, now you have my attention. My label is Sally Smith. I was born in 1965 in New York. I lived in Queens with my parents, Harry and Mary Jones, until I was five years old. Then we moved to New Jersey and I went to Newark Elementary School. I got all A's in school and in the 5th grade I played Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. I started dating in the ninth grade and my first boyfriend was Joe. I went to Rutgers College where I met and married Frank Smith. That is who I am. Wait a minute, that's a fascinating story. But I didn't ask you what has happened to you since you were born. I asked you, who are you? You've just described all these experiences, but who had these experiences? Wouldn't you still be in there, aware of your existence, even if you had gone to a different college? So you contemplate this and you realize that never in your life have you asked yourself that question and really meant it, who am I? That is what Ramana Maharshi was asking. So you ponder this more seriously and you say, Okay, I'm the body that is occupying this space. I am 5 foot 6 and I weigh 135 pounds and here I am. When you were Dorothy in the 5th grade play, you weren't five, six. 5 foot 6, you were 4 foot 6. So which who are you? Are you the 4 foot 6 person or are you the 5 foot 6 person? Weren't you in there when you were Dorothy? You told me you were. Aren't you the one who had experience of being Dorothy in the 5th grade play? and is now having the experience of trying to answer my questions. Isn't this the same you? Perhaps we need to step back for a moment to ask more exploratory questions before returning to the core question. When you were 10 years old, didn't you look in the mirror and see a 10-year-old body? Wasn't that the same that you that now sees an adult body? What you looked at has changed, but what about you, the one who is looking? Isn't there a continuity of being? Wasn't it the same being that looked in the mirror throughout the years? You have to contemplate this very carefully. Here is another question. When you go to sleep every night, do you dream? Who dreams? What does it mean to dream? You answer. Well, it's like a motion picture plays in my mind and I watch it. Who watches it? I do. The same you who looks in the mirror? Does the same you who is reading these words also looking in the mirror and watch the dreams? When you awake, you know you saw the dream. There is a continuity of conscious awareness of being. Ramana Maharshi was just asking some very simple questions. Who sees when you see? Who hears when you hear? Who watches the dreams? Who looks in the image in the mirror? Who is that? Who is it that is having all these experiences? If you try to just give honest, intuitive answers, you're simply going to say, me, it's me. I'm in here experiencing all of this. That's about the best answer you will have. It's actually pretty easy to see that you are not the objects you look at. It's a classic case of subject-object. It's you, the subject, that is looking at the objects. So you don't have to go through every object in the universe and say that object is not you. You can very easily generalize by saying that if you are the one who is looking at something, that that something is not you. So right away, in one fell swoop, you know that you're what you are not. You are not the outside world. You are the one who is inside looking out at that world. That was easy. Now at least we've eliminated the countless things outside. But who are you? And where are you if you are not outside with all the other things? You just have to pay attention and you realize that you will still be in there experiencing feelings even if all the outside objects disappeared. Imagine how much fear you would feel. You might also feel frustration and even anger, but who would be feeling these things? Again, you say me, and that's the right answer. The same me experiencing experiences both the outside world and the inside emotions. To take a clear look at this, imagine that you're watching a dog play outdoors, suddenly you hear a noise, right behind you, a hiss, like a rattlesnake. Would you still be looking at a dog with the same intensity of focus? Of course not. You'd be feeling tremendous fear inside. Though the dog might, would still be playing in front of you, you'd be completely preoccupied with the experience of fear. All of your attention can very quickly become absorbed in your emotions. But who feels the fear? Isn't it the same you, who was watching the dog? Who feels love when you feel love? Can't you feel so much love that it's hard to keep your eyes open? You can become so absorbed in beautiful inner feelings or frightening inner fears that it's hard to focus on outer objects. In essence, inside and outside objects compete for your attention. You are in there, having both inner and outer experiences, but who are you? To explore this more deeply, answer another question. Don't you have times when you're not having emotional experiences and instead you just feel quiet inside? You're still in there, but you're just aware of peaceful quiet. Eventually, you'll begin to realize that the outside world and the flow of inner emotions come and go. But you, the one who experiences these things, remains consciously aware of whatever passes before you. But where are you? Maybe we can find you in your thoughts, René Descartes, a great philosopher, once said, I think, therefore I am. But is that really what's going on? The dictionary defines the verb to think as to form thoughts, to use the mind to consider ideas and make judgments. The question is, who is using the mind to form thoughts and then manipulate them into ideas and judgments? Does this experiencer of thoughts exist even when thoughts are not present? Fortunately, you you don't have to think about it. You are very aware of your presence of being, your sense of existence, without the help of thoughts. When you go into deep meditation, for example, the thoughts stop. You know that they've stopped. You don't think it. You're simply aware of no thoughts. You come back and say, whoa, I went into this deep meditation and for the first time my thoughts completely stopped. I was in a place of complete peace, harmony and quiet. If you are in there experiencing the peace that occurs when your thoughts stop, then obviously your existence is not dependent upon the act of thinking. Thoughts can stop and they can also get extremely noisy. Sometimes you have many more thoughts than other times. You may even tell someone, my mind is driving me crazy. Ever since he said those things to me, I can't even sleep. My mind just won't shut up. Whose mind? Who is noticing these thoughts? Isn't it you? Don't you hear your thoughts inside? Aren't you aware of their existence? In fact, can't you get rid of them? If you start to have a thought you don't like, can't you try to make it go away? People struggle with thoughts all the time. Who is it that is aware of the thoughts and who is it that struggles with them? Again, you have a subject-object relationship with your thoughts. You're the subject and thoughts are just another object you can be aware of. You're not your thoughts. You're simply aware of your thoughts. Finally, you say, Fine. I'm not anything in the outside world and I'm not the emotions. These outer and inner objects come and go and I experience them. Plus I'm not the thoughts. They can be quiet or noisy, happy or sad. Thoughts are just something else I'm aware of. But who am I? It starts to become a serious question. Who am I? Who is having all these physical, emotional and mental experiences? So you contemplate this question a little deeper. This is done by letting go of the experiences and noticing who is left. You'll begin to notice who is experiencing the experience. Eventually, you'll get to a point within yourself where you realize that you, the experiencer, have a certain quality. And that quality is awareness, consciousness, an intuitive sense of existence. You know that you're in there. You don't have to think about it. You just know. You can think about it if you want to but you will know that you are thinking about it. You exist regardless, thoughts or no thoughts. To make this more experiential, let's try a consciousness experiment. Notice that with a single glance at the room or out the window, you instantaneously see the full detail of everything that is in front of you. You're effortlessly aware of all the objects that are within the scope of your vision, both near and far away. Without moving your head or eyes, You perceive all the intricate detail of what you immediately see. Look at all the colors, the variations of light, the grain of wood furniture, the architecture of buildings and the variations of bark and leaves on trees. Notice that you take all this in at once without having to think about it. No thoughts are necessary, you just see it. Now try to use thoughts to isolate, label and describe all the intricate detail of what you see. How long would it take your mental voice to describe all that detail to you versus the instantaneous snapshot of consciousness just seeing? When you just look without creating thoughts, your consciousness is effortlessly aware of and fully comprehends all that it sees. Consciousness is the highest word you ever utter. There is nothing higher or deeper than consciousness. Consciousness is pure awareness. But what is awareness? Let's try another experiment. Let's say you're in a room looking at a group of people and a piano. Now make believe the piano ceases to exist in your world. Would you have a major problem with that? You say, no, I don't think so. I am not attached to pianos. Okay, then make believe that the people in the room cease to exist. Are you still okay? Can you handle it? You say, sure, I like being alone. Now make believe that your awareness doesn't exist. Just turn it off. How are you doing now? What would it be like if your awareness didn't exist? It's actually pretty simple. You wouldn't be there. There would be no sense of me. There wouldn't be anyone in there to say, "Whoa, I used to be in here, but now I'm not. There would no longer be an awareness of being. And without awareness of being or consciousness, there is nothing. Are there objects? Who knows? If no one is aware of the objects, their existence or non-existence becomes completely irrelevant. It doesn't matter how many things are in front of you. If you turn off the consciousness, there is nothing. If you are conscious, however, there can be nothing in front of you. But you are fully aware that there is nothing. It is really not that complicated. It is very enlightening. So now, if I ask you, who are you? You answer, I am the one who sees. From back in here somewhere, I look out and I am aware of the events, thoughts and emotions that pass before me. If you go very deep, that is where you live. You live in the seat of consciousness. A true spiritual being lives there, without effort and without intent. Just as you effortlessly look outside and see all that you see, you eventually sit far enough back inside to see all your thoughts and emotions, as well as outer form. All of these objects are in front of you. The thoughts are closer in, the emotions are a little further away, and form is out way out there. Behind it all, there you are. You go so deep that you realize that where you've always that's where you've always been. At each stage of your life, you have seen different thoughts, emotions and objects pass before you, but you have always been in the conscious re- the conscious receiver of all that was. Now, You're in your center of consciousness, you're behind everything, just watching. That is your true home. Take everything else away and you're still there, aware that everything is gone. But take the the center of awareness away and there is nothing. The center is the seat of self. From the seat, you're aware that there are thoughts, emotions and a world coming in through your senses. But now you're aware that you're aware, that's the seat of the Buddhist self the Hindu Atman and the Judeo-Christian soul. The great mystery begins once you take that deep seat within. I hope you enjoyed Michael Singer's wisdom just as much as I enjoyed reading it to you. So I hope by now it is very clear why Consciousness and this I amness is so important. Consciousness is that thing that we can put anything in. It is shapeless. It is the stuff that he was talking about. You kind of exist and you absorb everything around you. And this is why it is so important to realize that sometimes, most of the time actually, The thoughts and concepts and precepts that we have in our consciousness are just that. They are thoughts, emotions, concepts and precepts. They are not the truth because they are things that exist in your consciousness. And you can consciously choose what to put in there. That is why what you say after the words I am makes such a huge difference we normally never think about what we say after I am. But if we remember that this conscious awareness is constantly sitting behind and observing everything that we are doing, when we say I am tired, for example, we produce tiredness. When we Say who we are in terms of our values, we inform our consciousness that that is what we consciously want to be. So that is the reason why I introduce myself as I am compassion, I am freedom, I am joy, I am empowerment, I am self expression, and I am knowledge because these are my qualities that I consciously want to develop within myself. These are the things that I want to inform my consciousness to watch out through. These are the lenses that I check my behavior and how I interpret situations and what is going on around me. And of course, I am not perfect in all of these. Actually, far from it. But when I consciously know who I am and I consciously have chosen who I want to be, then there is space and an opportunity for conscious focus of that energy, which allows you literally to be the cause rather than the effect of your life. Because you cause yourself to be the person that you want to be on purpose. So next time you say I am tired, lazy, a procrastinator, I am uh, always confused, I am forgetful, I am um, fat, whatever it is. Anything that has a negative connotation and implies that this is just who you are and there is nothing you can do about it, pause note it and maybe reframe that and say there is confusion present there is procrastination um, there is this and the other but that is not who i am because who i am is uh, carefully chosen values and qualities that i want to embody in our next episode i will be talking to you about how to Pick and choose those important identifiers and descriptors that you can uh, embody in your day-to-day life. Um, But for now, I want to tell you that when you know who you are, you literally can pick and choose where you place your time, energy and money. The three things that we actually can spend these descriptors also will inform what you tolerate what you do as a job who you hang out with who you keep in your life the quality of your relationships and if you're not clear on who you are then those resources your energy time money and power will be unfocused and up for grabs and They will be up for grabs by the most pressing and demanding situation or person. And by situation, imagine emergency. Because you're not living on purpose. So anything and everything that is immediately in front of you will take precedence. Unless you know why you are doing the thing that you're doing or how you want to react to life the beauty of realizing this i amness and the potential for existing in any shape or form in your consciousness is that you can make an assumption and a powerful assumption that, that you can assume you can be anything you can be whole and valid and self-approving regardless of your results regardless of what you have uh, based your opinion of yourself, this assumption can help you jump to a level of peace that you haven't experienced before. Because who you are is inherent. Your consciousness can hold anything Mm -hmm. that you can conceive or imagine or experience. So why not... Assume that we are whole and valid and self-approving and we are already the things that we really want to be rather than the things that we are deeply ashamed or scared to be. And this is um, not to suggest that the old beliefs are going to magically disappear. Far from it. But this consciousness can hold anything inside of itself. It is not that you suddenly are saying, okay, I am freedom. From today, I am freedom, and that's who I am. Yes, you can say that. But that doesn't mean that your actions will be informed by freedom every moment of your existence however since this is a habit you're forming that you are freedom this is who you want to be then you have a choice to always go back and ask like is that who i want to be is that who i am and when you're constantly realizing the fact that you can hold all of yourself and you can change all of yourself apart from the fact that you are consciousness then that gives an immense power of choice it can create anything and everything as your experience because the more conscious you become the more possibilities there are for existence and this is the reason why this podcast exists this is the reason why it's called Conscious Refocus because by using your consciousness as a resource, as an inherent truth that exists within yourself, you can choose what to focus on. The invitation is to consider what consciousness is and how to use that knowledge, that inherent truth, in a way that allows you to focus your energies on the stuff that matters and to be the person that you approve of. What you can do to take this to the next level is to consider and reflect on what you want those identifiers that you would put behind the words I am to reflect Do you want to be peaceful? Then you are peace. Do you want to be empowered? Then you are empowerment. Do you want to be someone that speaks their truth? Then you are truth. Do you want to be happy? Well, then you are happiness. Have those written down somewhere and practice introducing yourself like that. Not to your friends, or maybe even practice introducing yourself like that to your friends, and see what happens. And invite them to give you the, their identifiers, the stuff that they want to be seeing the world as, and reflect on what actually that means to be those things that are behind the I amness. The I amness is inherent what you put behind it is your choice. And you can either choose to become the end result of your choices, of your consciousness, or it can literally be the effect of life, of all the causes that kind of just happen and take you by storm. Practice this morning and evening, see how it goes and next time we will be actually talking about how you can consciously choose those we will be looking into what values are why they're so important how we can change them how we can choose them how we can even discern what is important and valuable and last but not least i want to leave you with a question If no one told you who you are, who would you be? Till next time, my friends.